You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by Alex Jarbo with Sargon Investments. Alex has a pretty unique uh, niche that he he operates in, and so I'm really excited to pick his brain today. So he does um, he develops uh, short term rentals. So um, super excited to talk today. Short-term rentals are the sexy new topic that everybody wants to talk about and learn more about. And, and, and I've also had some, some investors reach out to me um, with questions about developing short-term rentals and, and larger short-term rental communities, which it sounds like you're in. But, but I don't know the first thing about developing short-term rentals. So I'm going to let you talk about it. So welcome to the show. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Sterling. So, uh, take us to the top, man. Where, where are you from? What did you, uh, how'd you get into real estate? What'd you do before? And what are you doing today? Yeah. So I'm originally, uh, from Detroit, Michigan, joined the military when I was like 17. Uh, and then did my thing. I was mainly stationed in Washington, DC, uh, part of the honor guard of the Marine Corps there. And then, uh, got out at 22. Uh, I decided to move directly from Asheville or sorry, from DC to Asheville, um, and, uh, start in real estate. I, I had had, uh, I was part of a group mentoring thing that, that helped me sort of find Asheville. Um, what, what group was that? It was, uh, it was freedom mentor. Um, okay. this was back maybe seven or eight years ago. Um, but, uh, the, the gentleman who had run that mentorship, um, he had property in Gatlinburg and, uh, Pigeon Forge. Um, and we had done like an in-person thing and I saw some of this practice like, Oh, that's, that's really cool. Cash. Even back then cash flows were ridiculous compared to the long-term rental stuff. Um, and, uh, so we, we decided on Asheville. Asheville was, I wouldn't say necessarily up and coming when I, when I first moved here, but the, the growth that we've seen just in the last five years has been insane. Um, so I originally got my real estate license. I was helping some clients purchase and sell, um, didn't really enjoy that too much. I'm still, I'm still active. Um, but, um, I, I want, I wanted to get into short-term rentals. Like that's why I moved to the city. That's why I moved to the mountains. Um, and then I realized really quickly that whatever was in my price price range was, uh, not going to do well as a short-term rental at the time. Um, so we, we did, we just decided to develop our first property. Um, and the, the, the first one did so well that we immediately started developing two more, two turned to four, four turned into 10. Um, so like right now we have, we have 10 that we're developing and then we're, we're planning, um, a short-term rental like resort boutique community essentially. Um, and that, that's sort of the niche that we're in right now is developing these like anywhere between 30 to 50 unit, um, cabin developments, uh, in the mountains, whether it be here in Buncombe County in Asheville, like the County that Asheville sits in or anywhere between like an hour or two within the city, there are like different sub markets within, within like Western North Carolina and Tennessee, the, the smoky mountains and stuff. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Popular area. Um, so what are the, what are the things you look for when you're developing? I mean, what are the kind of walk us through the whole process? Development is one of the areas that, that I've not uh, explored thoroughly. So I've got a lot of questions. Where, where do you start, right? What's this, the first step and, and where do you go and, and what kind of laws and zoning and all that, you know, sewer, like walk us through the whole gamut, educate right. us on development. Absolutely. So when I usually get that question, the first thing I start with is um, 
like people who want to develop, but they live in metro cities or they live in very populated areas where like what's normal as an Airbnb, say like in New York is going to be like the hotel, the condo, the apartment. So what I tell people is if they're interested in doing like ground up stick built development, um, if they're just first starting out, um, is, is think about like an area in where you live, where people like to vacation. So in New York, New York, New York, people like to go up North, maybe a couple hours in the Catskills or something like people in San Diego are going to like big bear Lake or something. So like, think about places that, that if you're in a Metro area where, where people like to vacation, um, if you can't think of anything, it's probably the city that you actually live in. So like here, um, Asheville, like people, people like to vacation landscapes, really important. Um, the strategy that we like to stick to is like staying within anywhere between like 30 to 45 minutes of, um, a national park or a national forest. Um, the, those even like COVID exploded those numbers because of domestic travel, but, um, those are usually going to be drive in cities where you can, people are used to driving, um, uh, to, to either the, the, the forest or the national park. Um, so they're going to be, they're going to be more used to driving into more of like a, a rural area where your cabin might be. So th that's going to be the first thing. Landscape is really important. Um, and then building, building unique cabins is, is very important. So we do log cabins, a frames, tree houses that are essentially just homes on stilts that we market as tree houses. Um, and then the new, the new trend that I'm seeing now uh, in the States is like uh, more like barn type conversion type houses. Um, but we, yeah. we're just doing like uh, ground up uh, development with like a barn type feel. So landscape um, is going to be the first thing. Access is going to be the big thing too. Um, making sure that you're not sending your guests up like a gravel road for 20 minutes. Like a lot of times guests are going to be arriving at night. They just, they've been driving, they're tired from, from travel and you don't want them to be annoyed the first second they step onto your property. So that that's a big thing is like a lot of people who are, when I'm seeing are purchasing properties who are already on the market, it's like, sometimes these properties are tucked away, man. Like they're, they're tucked away 30 minutes, like down on a gravel road. So. so I got, I got engaged, uh, years ago at a, um, a short-term rental in the mountains and uh, outside of Seattle in the, the Washington mountains. And I will never forget how terrified I was. Like, like my wife at one point got out of the car and walked because she didn't want to be in the car when we were driving on that yeah, windy yeah. road. By the the yeah, right. So, so that's, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So it's going to completely kill the moment there. Right. Yeah. So it, that's, that's big thing access. So, um, access, but at the same time, you don't want to be like the closer you get to the city, any type of city you're in, the, the more expensive the land's going to get. So we have found anywhere between originally it was 15 minutes, but even now, like if, if people are used to like Asheville, Asheville's regional airport only has like four gates. So like people, people are driving into the city. We get people from Atlanta. We get people from Raleigh. We get people from Charlotte um, a lot. So people are driving here um, and they're, they're comfortable with taking that drive as, as long as it's not like an hour away. Um, and then we also get people from like the Smoky mountains and other mountain communities, but um, after you, after you sort of establish the exit, like figure out, okay, like it's, it's not a, even if we have to put maybe like a hundred, 200 foot road in from, from, uh, the access of the, the, the road that the property sits on. So like we look, we look for like double lane state maintained roads 
where we can sort of put a driveway in off of those. Um, we do that also, like if, if we don't get snow too much here, but if, if it does snow, usually the city's going to take care of it compared to us taking care of it, at least the, that portion. Um, so again, access, if, if guests are driving in, that's going to be uh, easier for them. Um, but after that, we, we sort of make sure that we call the utility company, just like with any type of development, make sure that, that you can get proper utilities. Um, we send the project over to our engineers to sort of figure out septic, because usually these properties are going to be on septic and well. Um, so they figure out based off of the county uh, and uh, city regulations, mainly county, what they require in terms of septic. Um, the interesting thing about developing in the mountains is every property is going to be different. So we don't, we don't necessarily, we have a threshold that we have, like in terms of how much we're willing to pay per pad in terms of like, uh, how many properties we want to put on, on the, the, the acreage that we're looking at. And if it ever drop if it drops below that, that's when we're like step away from a deal. But if you're developing one or two, um, you, you had mentioned, uh, you had mentioned like zoning and uh, different things. So again, every county is going to be different um, before you start putting like serious money into like a project. Just make sure that the, the city is, or at least the county is comfortable with uh, you doing short-term rentals. And usually the rural era areas are going to be a lot of the areas like Sevierville, Gatlinburg, like they have HOAs that are specifically designed to protect short-term rentals. Um, Cause that's, that's like, I mean, tourism's like they're, they're, that's their bread and butter. So. Yeah. Cool. So what, um, what, what kind of problems have you run into um, along the way? Uh, electricity, uh, just utilities is the big one. Um, making sh- we are developing in rural, but again, staying close enough to the city where more and more people are working from home now. Um, and internet, like high-speed internet is number one on the, on the list now. Um, so making sure that, when you're either if you go under contract or in due diligence before you close to make sure that you are able to get those utilities to the to to the property, um, high speed internet's been a big thing. I mean, and just with any type of development right now, tradesmen are hard to find. Materials are low all over the place. Um, yeah, those are those are the main things. Is like we we did. Luckily, it was only a couple cabins, but we did have a couple cabins that were budgeted for prior to the pandemic. Um, that we just got across that we just broke ground on right now after after we waited for things to sort of cool off a little bit they're still crazy but it's not like uh like the tail end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021 with like materials costs right what risk what risk factors do you see in the industry regulation is going to be the biggest one man uh yeah definitely definitely the regulation so we underwrite all of our properties to be rented out as long-term rentals so like we won't go out and go yeah we won't go crazy on like we won't go like insane with the finishes it's just like it's still a well-designed property that looks very like it's fair we call it instagrammable like we we want our properties to be posted on social media by our guests so um but, but within that, it's like making sure that, uh, yeah, just not going crazy with, with the budget. So like it, it has to be able to rent as a long-term rental, say if like the city randomly decides to change the rules one day, which is yeah. just happened a lot. My, my home city of Detroit, where I grew up, like that, that happened overnight. It's like, they were allowed, they were allowed one second. And then the next second, like the mayor had completely changed the rules. Um, so yeah, we underwrite as long-term poor, rentals poor- and Poor Detroit's always getting beat up on the real estate always, front. Always, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Two thousand eight with like the the crash and everything for sure. Well, still, I, I miss still is. 
I always use the example of of when the auto industry went overseas, didn't that? And that would really hit Detroit the hardest. And, I, and I've never even been to Detroit, so shame on me for for talking about it. But I, wasn't there some pretty catastrophic backlash after that happened that affected? Yeah, that, and then all. I, I mean, like I'm not an expert on it too because I haven't lived there in like ten years. But also, like, what there was like a controversy that happened with the mayor too that happened around the same time that happened, and then right after that, the city went bankrupt. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's starting to make a comeback though. Like they they just built a new arena down there where the the I think the Pistons and the Red Wings play, and then also um, there, there's developments going left and right up there right now too. Uh, Quicken Mortgage is based out of there too, and they have a huge footprint in the real estate game there too. So awesome! Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, what is the difference in returns from developing yourself versus going and buying an existing cabin? That's a good question. So usually, if you're again, every market's going to be different, but sometimes you're like in here in the the city that we operate in you're, you're, you're competing with people who also want to live in the house. And that, that is, that is difficult sometimes. Also what you're like with, I mean, with multifamily cap rates being so compressed, it's, it's interesting because like people, people are coming to short-term rentals and going, Hey, as long as I get an 8%, 10% cap, I'm happy. So, and that's driving up the prices of the short-term rentals that are already there. So it's not necessarily, it's, it's, it's harder to compete for those properties that are already on the market. And it's like the cat's out of the bag. Like short-term rentals are, are very profitable. Um, I, I, it's not necessarily, I mean, obviously the returns are important, but it's also making sure that like the, if you design a unique property, say like an A-frame that, that, that is the marketing piece right there. It's like the, the pictures are going to sell that the, the pictures and the, are going to sell that, uh, property all day. It's like, Oh, that the A-frame is going to be unique. Um, there, and it, like people are going to uh, flock to that property. So I would say, uh, that that's the biggest thing between like, we just have more flexibility on what we can design and make the property look like. And at the same time, making sure that it will, we, they have full kitchens, they have obviously full bathrooms. So like, if we need needed to put like renters in there, long-term renters, we can, we can do that as well. Do you see any risk? with oversaturation, you know, everybody, like you said, cats out of the bag, everybody I know is flocking to short-term rentals at, at some point. Is that going to make them less profitable? It's already started to do it with some of the lesser desirable properties. So uh, I sort of see it have like, it sort of happened in three phases or it is happening in three phases. Originally, say five years ago, it was the, re- I mean, you see a lot of mentors talking about it now. It was like the retail arbitrage model, which it, which is still very successful in a lot of metro areas where like you you master lease a, a, a property and sure, then you rent and- it out, which you can make a lot of money that way too. Um, and then sort of the middle of that is you have people that are just purchasing any type of, look, any type of property and just throwing it on a short-term rental site and still doing reasonably well. But where I, where I see like, the the most money to be made is is to develop the properties where the the uniqueness of the property will will outlast the other ones uh, at least at least for the next ten years in my opinion um, and I mean that just that just shows in the note and the numbers in the first couple cabins that we have up and running right now awesome so and this next question I I know the answer um, from other interviews similar to this with you know similar type of guests but uh, for for the benefit of our listeners. Um, how does, you know, short-term rentals play in, in, in a depression in in recession and in, in the event that, you know, our, our market dips and 
everything's not as rosy as it, as it is today. What, what does the short-term rental space look like? All right. So people are, a lot of people are comparing their returns to like what happened with COVID, but I don't think COVID's a good, like the, the period of COVID is not a good place to sort of start there because like the, the borders were locked down. So obviously right, people have to right. tra- travel domestically. So we're expecting to see like some sort of revenue drop after, after, everything sort of starts to get back to normal. But um, looking back at like 2008 and nine, um, there are some really good short-term rental books that sort of talk about this exact topic. Of the, the, as long as the luxury properties sort of saw a dip during 2008 and nine in revenue, about 10 to 15%, depending on where you're at in the United States. Um, but th- for the most part, the, the, the revenue is, is pretty, pretty consistent, um, in terms of, uh, yeah. the, the rates that you can charge. And I think that that's because the people who are renting your property do not live in your market. So if like, like different markets are hit differently, like you mentioned, Detroit got absolutely wrecked during the last recession. Um, but the, the, the people who are coming and visiting here are, are not they're They're used to, they don't know what's happening in, in the market is what I'm as trying sure. to get at. Yeah. If you look at like international stuff. So like my wife and I had honeymoon in the Maldives, like, uh, like we, we, we paid a crazy amount of money to have like a water over a hut. But at the same time, it's like, I'm sure that that country is not doing completely phenomenally like financially, but like they were able to get those rates. That's what I compare it to. So, yeah. So the, que- the, the, the response that I, I got last time I asked that question too, I, I, I would assume one of your peers or competitors or however y'all position yourselves in the market. But uh, her response was that during recessions, people still go on vacation. And as long as you're in these, as long as you're in these like drive to locations, like the Smoky Mountains or the, the Panhandle of Florida or something, you're good. You know, people just dial back like they don't go to Europe for three weeks. Right. You know, they drive right. to the Grand Canyon or to the Smoky Mountains right. and they just they just dial it down. But they still very much during hard times need to get away more than they do during good times. You know, absolutely. And during good times, they're like, hey, things are good. Let's go take a weekend vacation. It sort of plays on itself. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You had mentioned, uh, I think before we started the show, um, you're funding these, these projects with investor capital. So, yeah, so, so yeah, sorry. It, so is it, is it like a traditional, like multifamily syndication model or what does that look like? Yeah. So we started with the, we started with the joint venture stuff. Um, and we're flexible with what we can do with our investors. But what I realized the best use of my time is to, to focus on these larger developments. Um, because, uh, like we, we started doing like joint venture deals with one investor to do say like two, we're doing six with one specific investor. Um, but the syndication model is a little bit more sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of we're able to raise uh, the money, get the get the sponsor for the deal, and then uh, to develop, and then we just um, our 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 offerings are different based off of each project that we're doing. So, so what? And this is more of a broader question yeah. about synd- syndication around development, not necessarily specific to short term rentals, but I guess you can answer it just as well as anybody else could. What does that that funding process look like? Right, you're not you're not syndicate. You're not raising a hundred percent of the project, building it, and then cashing out at the end. We kind of walk us through what lending options you have on development projects and, and how much you need to raise and, and what type of lenders come and float the difference. Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So we're actually fortunate on the lending side, we're fortunate enough to, um, to have a working relationship with a commercial bank uh, that's 
that's local that uh, that will lend us the money to go from construction to perm where we don't have to get any bridge debt and then refinance awesome. that into a permanent loan. So that saves us a lot of money in terms of loan costs. It saves you a lot. It saves you a lot of risk. I imagine. Are Absolutely. you locked in? Are you locked in from like when you go into the construction loan, are you already like preset on where you're going to end up at the permanent loan? So you don't have yeah. to worry about interest rate risk along the way or anything right. like that. There, there is a, there it's, so it's a, I believe the one that we were talking about was a 20 year am and this might change, but 20 year am. And then they, they look at the interest rate again, every five years, but yeah, I mean, that's obviously, typical. yeah, obviously like plan for worst case scenario when it comes to the interest rates and stuff, but like there's a buffer there. Um, but yeah, so the, that's the lending piece. Um, and the syndication stuff, we're still working through like what our class A shares are going to be, what our class B shares are going to be. Um, our class A is going to be a little bit less risky than the class B, um, in, in terms of returns, but, uh, yeah, we're just, um, that, that's sort of where we're at now in terms of that. It's just that that's the biggest thing is, um, some of the other projects we did, it, it was a, a little, not stressful, but it was definitely a, a little bit more frustrating to deal with going from a bridge loan into a refinance to a permanent sure. construction loan. So, although, and there's different ways to structure these deals. So like we could do, and a lot of it's honestly dictated of what the lender is comfortable with, but you can do say like a detached condo community, almost like a timeshare community is the way it would be structured, but there there's, they're rented out of short-term rentals where if you did need to exit the properties, you wouldn't have to sell the whole thing. If you didn't need to, you could exit say like couple. some, yeah, a couple properties, which, I mean, that's what we always think about is we are thinking the, we're thinking of the exit in mind and in, in di- different scenarios um, just to protect our investors and the deal itself too. Awesome. Absolutely. Is there any other kind of frequently asked questions or topics that have arised on the subject that I haven't thought to ask about? Uh, no, just, uh, so I, I have a YouTube channel that I host. Um, um, we, we sort of talked about most of the stuff, but, uh, any, yeah. any questions on, on the individual stuff, if people are looking to do it themselves, um, the, the YouTube channels, Alex builds, it's a little logo of a treehouse. Um, they can, they can hop on there and sort of, if, if they're looking to do it themselves, if they're looking to stay completely passive, we, we can, we can talk to them as well. So. Awesome. So I want to hop to our, our radio round real quick. Uh, three, three quick questions. First one is what's your favorite book? Yeah, this one might be a little controversial, but, uh, the creature from Jekyll Island oh, yeah, um, I love is, that. Is, is, is a phenomenal, the, the ending gets a little bit, uh, the, the last couple chapters are a little bit weird, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like anyone who's involved in real estate should have a pretty good foundation, like knowledge foundation on how, how money works, at least in the sure. United States. Um, so that, that book that sets the foundation and more on how the, the money, how money is created, made and managed and mismanaged and stuff. So. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, what's your favorite quote and you can read it off of the wall. It's yeah. I was right. looking at it before we started. I'm going to so. give you, I'm going to give you permission. So you don't feel there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a person's success in life is usually a person's success in life is usually measured by the amount of uncomfortable conversations they're willing to have. Nice. Who said that? I originally heard it from Tim Ferriss. I don't know where he took it from. Oh, Maybe he made cool. it up, but I live cool, by cool. that. I live by that. Cause I'm naturally introverted, but the more yeah, I talk to they're people. all, a, they're all uncomfortable then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, uh, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? So, uh, I, I actually, since I was a kid, um, I've always practiced street magic. 
like just doing close. Okay. Yeah. So like doing close up magic, um, it's almost like turned into like a form of meditation at this point where it's like, it helps me disconnect. It keeps me creative. Uh, yeah. The, the stuff, the stuff I do with like the magic stuff directly translates to like, uh, uh, like the real estate stuff when it turns to like sure. the creativity and stuff. So it's also a phenomenal networking tool, like just bust out a car tricks, like, in, in yeah, dude. like a networking event. Yeah, 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 dude. I'd come, I'd come watch your magic trick at a <laughs> conference. Yeah. I, I, I was at bigger pockets last year and I was just pulled out something and just started doing <laughs> stuff. It's like the best icebreaker ever. Wow, and you don't expect it. You're at like a real estate conference and you're like, someone just asked me to do a magic trick. Like we're just talking about a deal <laughs> a second ago. Yeah. 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 That's cool, man. I love it. Um, so you'd mentioned your YouTube channel earlier, but where, where else can our listeners connect with you, learn more about you, invest with your company? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, the YouTube channel, if they're looking to do, I'm, I'm pretty active in the comment section in there. Uh, LinkedIn, pretty easy to get to just Alex Jarbo. Um, and then our website, Sargon Investments, um, I'm sure will be in the show notes, but um, if they're looking to invest, there's an invest now button that they can just fill out their information and then schedule a call with me. And then we can, we can talk about their goals and what they're looking to do with their investments. Awesome. Well, thanks, Alex. I really enjoyed it. And um, definitely look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Awesome. Thanks, Sterling. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.